0: Potter's Wheel. And I know somebody really needs this message today, and maybe even some online as well. But uh, sometimes you feel like, what is going on? And you don't know what's happening. And I really even feel that there are many that were delayed or they had obstacles in getting here today that they were supposed to hear this message. And because of that, you know, the devil's trying to rob them of a blessing. But it's okay, the ones who did make it, you're going to be blessed. And at the end, if you want me to lay hands on you and pray over you, then we'll do that. And maybe that prophetic flow will go, as it usually does. But let's look at 2 Timothy 2.15. And there it says in two fifteen, the diligent to pre, be diligent to present yourself, approve to God a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. God does not want you to be ashamed, and everyone that is a born again. Spirit-filled believer, you have a work to do for the Lord Jesus Christ and his kingdom. So you know what? You're marked for something. God wants you to be able to do something and to make a difference in somebody's life. He really does. And uh, the first thing I want to say is walking and working with God takes much diligence to do it the right way. When you walk with God and you work with God, see, we could say we're working for God, but it's so cool because God wants us to work with Him. He wants to work with us. He doesn't want us to be just down there. (laughs) He wants to call us up here so that we can do something powerful for the kingdom. And then the second thing, well, let's read 2 Timothy 2 verse 16 through 18. I think I'm going to read it off the screen. If you, if you ever look at one of my used Bibles, see how much it's marked up? I mark it up so much that I can't even read it anymore, hardly. And I think this might be the one I give Zach for graduating with his master's. Uh, but I, th- I think I gained a master's on marking Bibles. But anyhow, it says in verse 16 through 18, But shun... Profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness. And I'll just, let me see what I want to say here. Anyway, let's keep going. And their message will spread like cancer. Hymenius and Philetus are of this sort who have strayed concerning the truth saying that the resurrection is already past and they overthrow the faith of some. Amen. There you go. Wrong messages are like cancer to the body of Christ and destroy many people's faith. I'm telling you, things get out there and it, and it hurts people and it destroys their walk with God. And if he can cause them to stumble then, he'll get them away from the body of Christ, he'll get them away from church, away from people that love them, and then they really fail and fall flat on their faces. You know, there's been some like that that I've known in the past where somebody, uh, I had a pastor, and I could not believe this happened because I preached the word. You know, and I had a Spanish pastor though down in Homestead or in Naranja, that means orange, by the way, in Spanish. That was where our church was, it was in an unincorporated city down in Florida. And so in that particular church I had a guy and he had been in church for a long time. And he got to going up to the Spanish uh training center. But it was led by a guy that was kind of off the wall a little bit. And one of these, this minister went up there. And this guy began to tell them things like, you don't need to dedicate babies. And he would say things like, "Uh, you don't need the uh, Old Testament. And he took a Bible one night in their teaching and just ripped the Bible in half. And he threw the Old Testament down on the floor. Well, you know, we have a saying, Old Testament concealed, New Testament revealed. And that's a way you can look at it. The New Testament was the arrival of what the Old Testament prophesied. Well, you cannot understand the fullness of the New Testament unless you have a foundation of the Old Testament. But you see, that guy told him that, so, so that was a shock. Then he told them things like, and if you were married before you came to know Jesus and your wife didn't know Jesus either, then you don't have to stay married to them. You can go ahead and get a divorce and then start over. Well, don't you know some people took a hold of that? But he didn't. He, he came to me finally and he said, Pastor, I'm going to leave the church because I just don't believe the same as you anymore. I said, Oh. And then he explained these things to me. And, of course, I did not agree with it, and I did not believe that. And so, uh, you know, when he did tell me, though, he said, Now, my wife is going to stay in the church because she still believes what you believe. I said, Well, glory to God. And and then she's going to bring the kids to church here, but I'm going to go to church up in Miami where this pastor is that I've been getting these classes with. And you know what happened? It wasn't long until he uh, he edged his way out of that church and then he was out of the ministry completely. But his wife still came and brought the kids to the church with us. It was sad, and sometimes people get full of pride and they won't come back and tell you that they were wrong. And but he stumbled he fell away. And the enemy, that's one of the things they'll do. They'll do the same thing as these verses describe, like Hymanius and Philetus did. They will coerce somebody, and it's like a cancer. See, when he went to those classes, it was like this little spot on a lung. And then it just kept growing, growing, growing until the cancer took a hold spiritually and he left. And then he stumbled and then he fell. And then he was out on his own. These kind of things happen. i got enough stories about an arm's length of stories, if you took it line by line, to tell you about people that were like that. And so that's why it's important to learn the Word and to stand strong on the foundation of the Word. Amen? And so we see a solid foundation stands a test of any storm. Well, verse 19, let's read that. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands, having this seal. You know, a seal is something that is like sanctioned. When I do a baby dedication or we ordain somebody, something official... From our legal corporation, Christian Family Worship Center International, Christian Family Fellowship International, and Heartland Christian Family Church, we have a seal, an official seal, and we put it on and we seal it, saying that this is official from this ministry. And so God has a seal. He says, "The Lord knows those who are His." and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Now, iniquity is different than just a transgression. David talked about, God, forgive me for my transgressions and, and help me through my iniquity, and, you know, and God, help me to repent you know, from my sins. Did you know that sin is progressive? First of all, you'll make a mistake. Has anybody ever made a mistake in here? Yeah, okay, you're willing to admit it. All right, I have to. But a mistake is a transgression or trespass. So you make that transgression, and then if that transgression is in the ditch on the side of the road and you're driving, you keep getting over into the ditch. That mucky muck over there, that transgression, because you kept getting into it all the time, became an iniquity. And that iniquity is when people violate boundaries. That's why boundaries are so important. On Wednesday nights, you need to come out, because I've been sharing on Wednesday nights about the, uh, well, yeah, about the ecclesia, but... I was sharing about how people don't have a vision. Or the New King James says, without revelation, people cast off restraint. That restraint is a boundary line. It keeps you from going out of bounds. If you're in a ball game and you pass the ball and it hits the guy's hands and it goes outside that line on the side, that sideline, then it's out of bounds and the other team gets it. Well, this is similar spiritually, that people, they will get out of bounds, they'll get into the ditch, into the mud, and that is iniquity. And so when people violate that, they mess up. Now, I'll tell you, Brother Dave, he's leading a group over in Puxico now, and it's a 12-step program. And I've led 12-step programs in the past also. And... These teach you how to not get out of bounds. It teaches you how to be developed in your lifestyle, to not make the same mistakes. But a lot of people that had an alcohol problem will tell you, see, because the world will say they socially drink, for instance. And they say, well, you know, i just have one beer or just a couple glasses of wine, and I'm not anybody's judge about that. But if you have been an alcoholic, I think I can help judge a little bit. You see, what happens to an alcoholic, they can't socially drink. See, if an alcoholic takes one beer or one glass of wine, what it does is it triggers certain chemicals in their brain that says, I can't just have one. I want to have a case. You know how many beers are in a case? Nobody wants to say how many they know. They'll think I I know they've been up some. No, I'm not saying that. There's 24 in a case. You can get a case of waters, and there's 24 usually, and thus they give you a bonus. And so a lot of alcoholics, they don't just go and drink two or three beers with their meal. See, I preached over in Europe and Spain, and I preached in this church, and the pastor came up to me and said, we're going to have lunch here. At the church, and they brought me a meal. They said, uh, we like to drink a beer with our meal. Does that offend you? I said, well, I'm not the Holy Spirit. If you can drink a beer and, and you don't get drunk, that's between you and God. But I, you know, I never drink unless it was for a wrong reason. And that was when I was real young, and I got in a little trouble. So, you know, uh, I said, I'd prefer if you have a Diet Coke or something like that, I'll drink a Diet Coke. And they brought me a Diet Coke. We didn't have any issue with each other. But you see, the problem is if somebody's an alcoholic, they don't drink two or three beers, do they, Dave? I tell you what, I heard somebody's testimony recently and he said when he got saved, he quit drinking. I said, Well how much were you drinking? He said, I was drinking a case every day. He would get a case of beer He'd drink a little in the morning, a little in the afternoon, and then he would sit and drink the rest of that case all night long. He just kept a beer in his hand constantly. I don't have to get on anybody. If they want to go to the mountains, that's between them and God. But, you know, it's, it's not righteous. I didn't say holy, I said it's not righteous for an alcoholic to have one because they can't stop with one. They have to drink one after one after one after one after one. They will drink, and some guys, this guy was telling me, would drink 30 and 35 beers in a day. And that's not to glorify anybody. They kept doing their job. And a real alcoholic doesn't drink to get drunk. They drink to function as normally as they can because the pain is so deep and so harsh that it hurts so bad That's why they have to do it, see? It's an iniquity. It's a boundary violation. And so if they get in the ditch again, it may put them in the grave. Hallelujah. Somebody ought to say amen. Anyway, 2 Timothy 2, verse 20 and 21. Did I read 19? Yeah, okay, 20 and 21. Go on. There we go. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, from the dishonor, in other words, he will be a vessel for honor sanctified and useful for the master prepared for every good work amen we have vessels of clay in our house and they serve a certain purpose they can hold liquid or they can hold soups or they can hold a variety of things or we got some made out of clay pottery that we use for soup bowls They make terrific soup bowls. But we see that in statement four, vessels of honor are made from differing materials. Some are wood, some are clay, some are silver, some are gold, and so on. And they serve a purpose. Well, there is a process. And let's go over to Jeremiah chapter 18. And we're going to look there. And we're going to read... These words, 1 through 6. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, (coughs) Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was making something at the wheel. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again into another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to make. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter? Says the Lord, look As the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. Now, Richard Jones, who ministered here during our conference, he did these banners. He is a tremendous artist. He airbrushed, painted those four banners in the corners. They represent the four creatures around the throne of God. And then he painted a portrait not actually a portrait, but a a painting in my office that's a beautiful painting. He can paint paintings. Uh, He can do so many things, but he also makes pottery. And that's beautiful pottery. He's just very talented from his brain to his hand. Now, my talent doesn't work that way. (laughs) From my brain to my hand, I can't even draw a straight line with a ruler. But I see things now, and I can tell somebody who knows how to draw, what to draw. I told that artist down in Miami, uh, I had a vision of Jesus on a Sunday morning, 8 o'clock, sitting on the front row in the church. And I saw that, and it just stunned me, because I could see Jesus' eyes. Now, after church, you want to walk over in the middle and look closer. It'll look like Jesus is looking at you. And then if you walk over there, it looks like he's looking at you over there. If you walk over here, it looks like he's looking at you over here. But I saw that just like that. I didn't see it in color. I saw it kind of like a sketch, but it was a vision. And it just stunned me how it was. Now, she saw the word Jesus in the crown of thorns. So if you look at that, you'll see that Jesus is spelled in the crown of thorns. I think that's really cool. That was a bonus that she gave me. But what she did is she drew it out, put it on an overhead, and then put it on and made the materials and cut out the pieces. And however you do it, you iron it on or whatever. But she put all that on those banners. And so I was able to keep that because they didn't want to keep it up anymore, which I think was foolish. It wasn't needing to get rid of my memory as much as it is you got to keep Jesus in the middle of your message. He told me, you keep the cross. This is what the Holy Spirit said when I saw that. He said, if you'll keep the cross somewhere in your messages, I will always bless your, your preaching. And so I feel like I have had a blessed life in preaching the messages that he has given me. But there is a process first you have to go down to the potter's house to hear the potter's words. He has something to tell you. And sometimes he does it through his hands. How many know that Jesus Christ is the best potter that you could ever have? Number two, vessels are made on the potter's wheel. Sometimes we get on the wheel and it's being made, but we don't go through the whole process. Therefore, we nullify what we were supposed to be, and we become damaged and marred. And some people are marred by the things of this life and the world because they would not stay on the potter's wheel until he was finished, and they would not stay through the process that it takes to make you into what he wants you to be. And number three, if they are marred, then they have to go back They must go back on the wheel to be remade. So if you ever got marred and you're off the wheel, all you are is a damaged clump of clay. And we are all clay. We are all human. And what occurs is the damage that we have happened to us, it disfigures our life. And many people are disfigured in their walk, in their life, in their testimony. And what happens, if they don't get back on that wheel, then they're just going to look like junk to the world that has no real value. Number four, then they have to be glazed after they're remade. And they have to then be put into the kiln or the oven, the fire. Now, he doesn't put you in the fire to destroy you. What happened when the three Hebrew, Hebrew children... They would not bend and they would not bow their knee to the king's idol. And so they got thrown into the fiery furnace. And they were not singed, they were not burnt, and they walked around in there and the king could see them. But when he looked, he saw four men. He saw one of them that was likened unto the Son of the living God. And so Jesus was in the midst of their fire. Well, when you're on the potter's wheel and he remakes you because every one of us was marred and damaged and tinged by the world, well, he takes us back up and he puts us back on that wheel and he begins to spin the wheel and he forms the clay with our hands, with his hands, and he will make us into an instrument of God's mercy and grace. And when he makes us, and if we'll stay there, don't get out of the presence of God. Don't get out of the will of God. Don't move off of the straight and the narrow path because God's got something for you that is so awesome and so great that you will never be the same again. So he keeps you on the wheel until he has made you and formed you into that vessel that only God can make. The devil can't even make a reproduction. You can't make yourself into the vessel. You know, it's kind of like the woman that was on her deathbed, and she begged God, please, God, let me live. And so he said, okay, I'm going to let you live. And so he let her live. He said he's going to let her live another 15, 20 years. And she was so excited, she went and got a tummy tuck. And she got uh, eyebrows done. And she got a facelift. And I won't say what else, but she got something lifted and something enlarged. But then she, she became, and her hair got done nicely. And she looked so nice, looked younger. And she was walking across the road one day at the stoplight, Pastor Ken, and a car hit her. This is only a few months after And Josh, she died. And she was at St. Peter's Gate. And she said, I thought you were going to let me live another 15, 20 years. And he looked at her and said, well, who are you? They didn't recognize her. She decided to put herself on the wheel and redo what she thought needed to be done to make herself look a lot better. That's called vanity. And so, anyway... She she need to be on God's will. See, when God takes you and He forms you, you become born again, and He's got you the way He wants you to be. And then He puts a glaze on you, or He puts you in the fire. I, I don't know. Am I accurate on that? Are you in the in the fire first, and then you get glazed? I think you do it twice. Okay, you get glazed again. Well, hallelujah. Oh, right, and fired again. Man, that's like double blessings. You get glazed, fired, glazed and fired, or vice versa. That's wonderful. That's why if you stay in the church and in God, then you're going to get really touched. And you know what happens when it's glazed and fired? Velva, you you become hardened. You become that vessel that when you put something in it, it doesn't, doesn't get wobbly anymore. It doesn't get marred because it wasn't hardened by the glazing and the fire. Well, I tell you what, when you get in God, He'll fire you up. He'll let the Holy Ghost come down in your life, and He'll come right out of your life. You'll be born again. And, you know, I used to have Him. I'd go to the nursing home down on St. Charles Avenue when I was a young preacher in New Orleans. I was like 27, 26 27 years old, something like that. Anyway, I was there, and I'd go with my mother-in-law. She'd play her little piano, and we'd sing the hymns, and those older folks would come in there. I had like 25 wheelchairs and five on walkers. And that was my congregation. I didn't have as many coming to the church that I'd just started, but I had a house full at the nursing home. And you know, when we'd start doing those hymns, there's power, power, wonder-working power in the blood. Man, they'd start raising their head up a little bit. Then you'd go into, there shall be showers of blessing. They'd perk up a little bit more. And you'd sing about the old rugged cross. For long, they'd say, bless Jesus. I was saved when I was eight years old. And I was baptized when i was 10 and then i got filled with the holy ghost and sanctified I, i liked hearing them testify it was something and then they'd say i've been serving the lord ever since there's like five or six of them do that every time man they'd fire me up i'd preach like a house on fire after that but they would just let it roll but it was something see when you get fired and you get glazed by the Holy Spirit and the Word of God in your life, you'll never be the same. It's hard to become something else. You might try to put the wrong liquid into your vessel, but it isn't going to work very good because Jesus' name is all over you. He is all over you. Your countenance, your life has been marked for the power of God. You see? I've been storing a little bit of this up for a little bit. But anyway, he always makes the vessels, number five, he makes the vessels to be good for his work. You know, there was a guy, and this is is a unique story, and I don't think Stephanie would mind me telling it. Stephanie had a boyfriend before she ever met Pastor Ken. And so Pastor Ken was in the church, and Stephanie comes with her friend, Kathy Winkler, to church. And she gets rededicated, or saved, whatever you want to call it, uh, to in the Lord. And she comes to see me in the office, and she tells me she needs to break it off with her boyfriend. Because he's not in church. You just got to follow this whole story. I had given Pastor Ken a prophecy. Because he was single. He had four sons. He was Mr. Mom and Dad at the same time. And I looked at him. I think it was on a Wednesday night or something. I said, and I don't even remember what month it was. But it wasn't too long. Nine months before or something. Anyway, I gave him a word. I said, you will know your wife by Christmas. Wasn't it Christmas? You don't remember? It was by Christmas. I'm going to take this phone out of my pocket and put it in this pocket. Put my keys back in this pocket. All right. It was distracting me. But anyway, I said, you'll know your wife by Christmas. Well, Stephanie came to see me in my office, and I talked to her, and she talked about her family and some of the difficulties growing up with her family and all. She said, well, I don't, I'm not going anywhere for Thanksgiving, so I'll be at church on that Sunday because her family lived a little bit away from her. And I said, well, won't you come to our house for Thanksgiving? We always invited somebody. And so she said, well, thank you, Pastor. And uh, so I didn't know Lucia had talked to Pastor Ken and said, won't you bring the boys over for Thanksgiving dinner on Thanksgiving? And so when they say a match made in heaven, well, it wasn't heaven, but it was in the church. And so, sure enough, they got to talking at the Thanksgiving. And she, her car had been broke down that week. And so he offered to give her a ride home. And then he offered to give her a ride to church, I think. Anyway, they started seeing each other. And that was before Christmas. Well, on Christmas Eve, I think he invited her to become his wife. New Year's Eve. So anyway, it was a fulfillment of a prophetic word. But now the guy that she had dated before she started seeing Pastor Ken and she had broke it off with, he decided he just might come to church and see what all this was about. Why would Stephanie break up with him? She's going to some church. Maybe it's a cult or something. But lo and behold, he came to church, and she had already started seeing Pastor Ken, I think. And because the hurricane had destroyed us, we were meeting in Homestead Middle School. And so I have an altar call, and Doug makes the altar call. And I always prayed for everybody, and a lot of times they'd be slain in the Spirit, or they'd fall under the power of God onto the floor. A lot of people don't understand that, and they just don't know how to take it. But you know what? I never tried to make anybody fall. They fell under God's power. And so he was on the floor. After I'd prayed for him, he looked up towards the ceiling, and he saw a cloud that spelled F-E-A-R fear and when i said in the name of jesus poof the cloud went away it just disintegrated and so fear was not a factor he accepted jesus christ as his lord and savior and it was a ride after that he began to come every service and when we did The building, he did the air conditioner work for our big room. It was 9,000 square feet. We had four 20-ton units in that building. And so he did all that work. And he decided he was a widower, so he decided to put his daughter in our Christian school. And so she attended the school, smart as a whip. And so he uh, began to take ministry classes. And guess who was a ministry school director? Pastor Ken. Pastor Ken on Valentine's ends up getting married to Stephanie. Doug, the ex-boyfriend, is in the church going to the ministry classes under the man that married his ex-girlfriend. That he came to find out why she broke it off with him. Isn't that wild? But you see, when you get on the potter's wheel and he keeps spinning it and remaking it, He remade Pastor Ken's situation. He remade Stephanie's. And then Doug came to church, and he began to work on him. And he got filled with the Holy Spirit and touched and changed. And Doug ended up going to our singles group. And the singles group had a young lady named Janelle that had just come home from the mission field in the Philippines as part of YWAM. And so they end up dating. Actually, we should call it courting. Dating will get you in a lot of trouble. But if you're courting somebody, that means you're seriously considering marriage. So they end up getting married, and I do the wedding. I did Pastor Ken and Stephanie's wedding around Valentine's Day, and then in the summer, I did Doug and Janelle's wedding. And then Doug had gone on one mission trip with me already, Then he and Janelle went with me, and they went with me on more than one. And then Doug got called into missions, but he had also fulfilled his classes to be ordained in the ministry, and he filled fulfilled his studies up in a school in Miami to become an uh, uh, what they call it anyway, a certified addictions counselor, CAP. And so he was certified as an addictions counselor. So he went and started a rehab in Mexico. And then he was working along with Brother Paco and Brother Tino. And so he's a missionary. And this last conference we just had, he and his wife came and sat on that third row on the end there every service. they have been married a long time. Since, what year did you get married? 95. Well, they got married like in 96. So they've been married 26 years. And they stayed at their house when they came to the conference. I'm here to tell you, it's miraculous. And when you're on the potter's wheel, God will take your life. And you might have been a nobody, and you might even been on alcohol, which Doug led our 12-step program for a while, until he turned it over to Mickey Butler. But then it just kept going and rolling and going on and on and on, and now the dominoes have fallen and people have been touched. And He's ministered to I don't know how many coming out of prison, and he learned to speak Spanish, and he preaches in both languages. He'll go to prisons on the Mexico side of the border and in the American side of the border, and he'll preach in both languages. You're talking about a guy who was living in Key West when he and Stephanie met, who did air conditioning work, who, because of an accident or whatever, knew he couldn't drink anymore. Or his wife got killed in an accident. I don't remember the whole story. But things happen. And God can change a rainy day into sunshine and the fruit of the Spirit to grow. But He can do something with your life on the potter's wheel. And He can remake you even when the enemy tried to take you out. And how many people are like me? You know you came close to dying more than once. And yet God spared you, and he spared you for something. He spared you for a reason. Not everybody gets spared when there's situation happens. I don't know, he spared me at least three or four times. And I just, you know, I'm not perfect. But I tell you what, when you're humble in spirit, he can exalt you and put you in circumstances and situations where you can share your testimony, which is prophetic. And he can share the word of the Lord. I tell you what, if you feel like you've been on the potter's wheel and you want God to finish the job because you just feel like it's not done yet, you're not prepared enough yet, I just want you to come on down. I'm going to lay hands on you. I'm going to anoint you. And I'm going to see that God's going to pour out his spirit in such a powerful way upon your life that you'll never go backwards again. I'm running out of oil, aren't I? Here, I got some in this one. Glory to God. And if I can have a couple guys up here to help me. Two or three men. I'm gonna anoint these that are here with oil. And I just love what he's done in your lives. How he's changing you and rearranging you, I'm just going to anoint you all to begin with. Just begin to open up your heart and let it flow. Let it flow right down inside of you. I tell you what, you'll never be the same. I guarantee you that. I know it. When I lay my hands on you, it doesn't have nothing to do with me personally. But you know what? I walk in the office of an apostle and a prophet, And when a prophet lays his hands on somebody, it completely transforms you. You'll feel something click inside of you, and it will change something about you. Yokes, if there be any yokes upon your life, they'll be destroyed. They'll be broken off of you, and they won't be able to be put back together again. And if you've got condemnation from the devil, it is going to go away today. You will not be controlled by condemnation, by anything the devil intends. So just lift your hands up and begin to worship him. Do we have a keyboard player at all here? Okay, maybe you can come, Sean. Just start playing a little bit on the keys. I tell you what, God is good. Randy, God has something so powerful in your life. I just see a zigzag. I don't know what that means. I feel like you zigged when you should have zagged and you zagged when you should have zigged, and you've been a zigzag like a, a stitch on a pocket or something. You, you are a pocket, so to speak, but he is going to make some straight stitching now. He's going to stitch your life together like it's never been done before. and he is going and he said, "You're so talented, but the talent has got in your way sometimes. And what God is going to do is he's going to refine your spirit, man, and he's going to destroy anything off of you that has been a hindrance or has called blurred vision because he wants you to have vision and the vision is going to come forth in a powerful way and he's going to pour out upon you like never before. And because of that, your talent is going to be refined. It's going to be like an arrow in a bullseye. And from this day forward, you're going to see through different eyes and you're going to walk with a confidence because no more will you feel condemned. No more will you feel less for God has marked you to succeed and to be useful in the Master's hand. So right now, Lord, from the top of Randy's head to the bottom of his feet, I declare victory. And we destroy, the anointing destroys every yoke off of him all the way back to childhood when there was disappointment after disappointment and people in your family disappointed you and you were discouraged and you had to become tough you had to become a hard hearted person in a way just to protect your feelings but God said you're going to be a man after his own heart from this day forward in the name of Jesus we release you into the very victory you need Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Everybody say amen. Hallelujah. Now, Lord, yeah, from the inside out. Hallelujah. Woo. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. There it comes right there. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah. I see the Lord's hand pouring a pitcher of living water over you right now. Fresh, fresh, fresh waters. Even your neighbors are going to see a difference in you. Your family is going to see the difference in you. And you will not wrestle like you've been wrestling because you've been wrestling. And the Bible says we wrestle against not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. And the Lord says, "I wipe those guys out today." The same wrestling anymore. Release him, God, into his victory. Glory. I'm sorry. You tell me your first name again. Yeah. Christina. Christina, the Lord says, you have waited. And because of what happened in your childhood, you had hoped for a knight in shining armor. But when he didn't ever show up, you were crushed in spirit. You thought, I'll leave my parents' house and I'll get with my knight shining armor. And it was a disappointment. But God said, he has your knight on the wheel. He has him on the potter's wheel. And he's remaking him and doing something in him. And so therefore, he has you on the wheel also. And he's putting you guys in the fire. He's putting you under the glazing. And right now, from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet, You will never be the same. We release you today to be the woman of God that he's called you to be. Hallelujah. No more will you look down and not make eye contact with people when they talk to you. But you will look with a fresh wave of confidence. For you are a woman of God and you need to walk like it. Hallelujah. And your kids need to respect it. Hallelujah. And know who you are. you don't have to force it you'll do it through love the power of god's love i don't know what you feel but i feel a real flow right here like a glory coming down on you (laughs) touch oh yeah amanda oh man yeah hallelujah i see you like a ball player swinging for the fence You just kept swinging for the fence. Sometimes we strike out. Most home run hitters strike out a lot. But the Lord said, I didn't make you to just be a home run hitter or a strikeout king. I made you to be somebody that makes contact. And he says, you're going to be somebody that can walk every day, not with highs and lows, but with steadiness and with a strength in your backbone. For you are a woman of God, and don't let anybody tell you you aren't. For God has put you on that wheel and remade you, and now he's going to pour out upon you and your family and your children. And he said, don't worry about your kids. God has his hand on your kids. They'll never be able to get away from God. Hallelujah. They can run, but they won't get far. Hallelujah. So we declare over you the victory that you need. Hallelujah. Make the broken places knitted together. Hallelujah. Woo. Jesus. Stephen, hallelujah. The Lord says, don't let them take meek, uh, meekness for weakness. You have a meek and humble spirit, but you be strong in the power of his might walk before him with that level of victory. And I just hear the word confidence over all four of you. You need a fresh wave of confidence in your life. And you can be what God wants you to be. And you can speak what God wants you to speak. And he will use you. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. Hallelujah. Every yoke is destroyed off of you guys. Hallelujah. And now you can walk victory and the Holy Ghost and the joy of the Lord is your strength and out of your belly shall flow joy 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 unspeakable full of glory hallelujah yes John hallelujah yeah. he says I think we had a book called Man in the Middle there might even be a song about man in the middle We sing a song like that, Man in the Middle. You feel like a man in the middle. You don't know what way it is, this way or that way. You just know that sometimes you feel squeezed and you feel like a vice on you. But God is going to release that tension. He's going to release that pressure because He marks you. And He marks you for His kingdom and He marks you for the work of God. And He says... You just continue to walk in faith. You continue to walk in love. And no matter what people say to you, about you, or around you, you just keep your eyes on the Lord and watch what He does. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And Isaiah 43, that says He knows your name. (laughs) He knows your name. And go read Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. I think it is. For behold, he does a new thing. Can you not see it? Yeah. He, he'll even make the jackals, you know, to, to humble themselves. He'll start to say something else, but that's not right for church. Hallelujah. Jackal is better than that word. But anyway, you just follow the leading of the Lord. Hallelujah. And watch what he does. Yeah, the steps of the righteous man are ordered of the Lord glory. I don't know about y'all, it gets stronger every person I pray for on me anyway. I might have to go start all over again when I get done. I, I feel the glory of God in this house right now. Lord, fill him up. Fill him up with your expectations. Not yours, but his. Yeah, he's filling you up with his expectations and he said a steady hand will get the job done put your hand to the plow and not look back that's what I hear the spirit saying you keep your hands on the plow and don't look back you can't change those things but he can change the way people see through those things and who you are today that makes any sense Yeah, so Lord, touch Dave's life and let the testimony rise up in him and around him of the expectation of the Holy Spirit. Fill him up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A pure flow of the Holy Ghost. And he says, if you will do that, and if you'll walk with me, says the Lord, I will cause many hundreds and even beyond to come to know me as Lord and Savior because of your witness yes that's a good one right there hallelujah hands to the pile don't look back yeah yeah Chelsea he said take the sass that you had in your life when you were growing up and use it anointing of God to be power he'll make you powerful and he'll use you to speak to people others can't even reach because of the penetration of the eyes of the Holy Ghost through you and the penetration of the word of God through you prepare continue to walk in the way of Watch what I do, says the Lord. I will open up the windows of heaven and pour out upon you. And you will have no lack. God will bless you. And when you need to go for me, says the Lord, I will send you. I'll send you with my blessing. Hallelujah. For you will go many places and represent me, says the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He'll take any anxiety and crush it. And he destroys off of you false expectations and puts his expectations and vision in your eyes. And a settledness and a strength that you will use as weapons of warfare for his kingdom. Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Yes, yes, yes. of God. And I looked at Bob and I looked at you and the Lord said, Men of God. You are a man of God. Yes, indeed. You're a warrior. There were those who built. There are those who were in warfare. And David had 38 men that were warriors. And he said, You'll be one like that. You'll be known as one of the warriors in the kingdom of God and you'll make warfare but you'll do it with your strength strength of character strength of spirit and because of that God will do things that you never expected before in the name of Jesus and you shall build you will become a builder not of just with your hands, but a builder of systems and strategies. So go study that out. But you'll have systems and strategies where you will build and you will plant, yes, and you will harvest. Hallelujah. And men's lives will be changed and families will be changed because of it. Hallelujah. Yeah, on the potter's wheel, Bob. You've been there for a little while. But God said, you're on there. and That's the key. Because he'll take you. And he'll remake you. And this is a time in your life where he's remaking many things. And he said, as you go, others will go. And he said, he will orchestrate around you those that you love. And he will deal with those but you are going to go forward, not backwards. He said it's like the book, three steps forward, two steps back. Go forward, and if you get knocked back a little, get back up and go forward again and again and again. And then you'll turn around and look, and you will have made so much distance that you'll find it hard to believe. But he has uh, an organized, set path for you so you don't have to wonder too much. You just continue to go forward and let him move in your life. His hand is on you. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah. My fingers still feel anointed, but I'll go ahead and get some fresh oil for Sarah. Uh Boy, I need to refill some of these bottles. Some of that came from different places they had great out of annoyance glory yeah pour it out Lord yeah hallelujah I see you like a weight that's lifted until you reach the plateau and it's like you can't move up and wait cause it's just almost too much And the Lord said, there's times that you have to rest, and then you step back in the arena again. And he said, he's had you in times of resting, but it's not to do nothing. And you can't. You're a mother and a wife. You're working too, right? You got a job? You're a superwoman. Are you a wonder woman? (laughs) But anyway, God, he's got the plan, the perfect plan for you and Derek, not, it seemed like every time I pray over you guys, it's not a kid this time, though. Don't get nervous. <laughs> yeah, I always seem to prophesy a kid for you, and you have another one. But now you got a baby girl to go with the two boys. <laughs> so, Lord, unless you tell me, I won't prophesy no child right now. <laughs> but what a... And, and the other thing I always prophesize promotion I don't know why and it's you always on this side of the church right about here and it's funny because I see increase for you and I see God taking the real and making it closer to the ideal for you and it's because you've been faithful you guys are faithful no matter what Derek's very blessed you know when you find a good uh, a wife, you find a good thing. He's found a good thing. And you are always blessed because you're marked. People don't know what they see, but they see something in you and on you, and it makes them want to help you and bless you. And so I see the blessings coming more on you than ever before. And I see shifting changing, but not plucking you up and putting you somewhere else. I see some shifting going on. Somebody's going to retire and it's going to shift you as it shifts others into a better positioning. You watch. It always happens when I say it for you. Yeah, so don't don't be looking so strong for it, but boom, it'll happen. You'll say, oh boy, this is going on. It's because God's hands are all right? He's got you just like he had Daniel before the governors and the kings. He's going to put you before leaders. And you're going to rise to the surface, to the top. Because of it. So I bless you, and I bless your health. And uh, I don't know of anything going wrong with you, but I, he just said bless her health and her strength. And if there be anything contrary to walking in good health, Lord, you just take care of it right now, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, hallelujah, yeah, strengthen her body, her soul, and her spirit in you, Jesus, and Lord, I just speak it over Derek, and the Lord says not, not the convenient, but he said he 's got something higher for you and more powerful for you powerful i don't know what that means usually it's when he moves you in authority to give you authority that you will work in power so i just declare over you that, that there's doors opening and no man can shut doors going to close that no man can open and he says do not worry or wonder you just walk through the opening and god's hand is with you and on you to cause you to be blessed even more that hit home? Amen. Sister Kim, can you come and let me anoint you with oil for completion of your healing? Yeah. She's tired of that thing she's having to wear on her back and upper body. Yeah, I could see the healing rain on you while you're sitting back there. And Lord, I just anoint Kim right now. We bind any infirmity and any sickness that has been in her, even from years gone by, Lord, in her body, in her mind, in her spirit. The enemies tried to attack and discourage. I pray, God, that you'd touch her family, that stress and worry would go in the name of Jesus. And that healing would come to these vertebrae and to her body, and that she would recover quickly, and the doctors will be amazed at what is going on as there's healing power on her body and her life. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, that she'll be a great testimony, and if she chooses to continue to work, that the business will flourish, and that you'll pour out opportunity upon her in Jesus Christ's name. Hallelujah. Glory. You're welcome. It's happening right now. I saw the healing rain falling on top of you. sitting back there. How you feel? Doing good? Amen. All right. Well, we didn't have as many today, but sometimes that's all right because God's power is touching the ones that are here in a special way. And Lord, minister to anybody online God, somebody that will be watching or is watching has a rotator cuff problem and they need a healing. Somebody else, Lord, has had what they think is indigestion, but actually it either has to do with the heart and the flow of the blood. And we speak to that, that they'll go to the doctor and find out an answer, that they'll know that it was you, God, that called this out. And somebody else has a pain down their lower stomach, Lord, if it's the appendix, let them go see a doctor to have it removed or whatever has to be done. You could re- you could just heal it, God, in the name of Jesus. And somebody else, they have pain in the middle of their upper back and a pinched nerve. And, Lord, I pray that you will touch that in Jesus' name. Somebody else has had uh, some cancer uh, that's been... Uh, prognosis by the doctor and I'd like to say it's in the, in the colon or the intestine and I pray that they will receive a touch and they go to the doctor they'll have it verified in Jesus name. Everybody stand with me. Father in the name of Jesus I bless these that are here and those that were watching by the internet that they will be the head and not the tail the blessed and not the cursed the redeemed of the Lord, and they shall say so, and they shall have a witness of the glory of God. And I thank you, God, for your answers, O God, that you have brought to those that have been seeking you. Because your word says, if you seek, you'll find. If you knock, the door will be opened. If you ask, you shall receive. And so let them walk in that kind of faith attitude in Jesus Christ's name. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here, and let's go and uh, help touch somebody's life today. Go find some place to eat lunch with somebody. Hallelujah. Amen.